Hi, it's me again. <laughs> My husband's away, so you get me twice. You're so lucky. Uh, think of it as a blessing. <laughs> Amen. Great. Okay. All right. Our reading this morning comes from um, the letter to the Ephesians, starting at chapter 1, reading from verses 1 through to 14. You've got the screen, you've got your device, you've got your Bible. Let's read. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. Thanks, Mel. Morning, everyone. Morning. Morning to folks at home and perhaps including my wife. Rhonda is being visited this weekend by her three sisters. So she has been their tour guide through the greater part of Brisbane over the last few days. Last night they went down to the Australia Outback Spectacular. They arrived home, 10, 10.30 or something, straight to bed. They weren't up when I left this morning. <clears throat> but I think my wife will be up, she'll be online, she'll be watching me just in case I say something about her. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> we start our series this morning on Ephesians. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege we have to gather together freely. Thank you for the privilege and the blessing of your word, your spirit, our brothers and sisters. We thank you for Jesus. Everything we have and experience comes in him, through him, from him. Lord, even this morning, nourish and feed us from this passage that we might be equipped, 
that we might be corrected, that we might be trained in order that we might be better followers, better disciples of the Lord Jesus. We ask and pray this in his name. And everybody said, blessings in Christ. <clears throat> Ephesians 1 to 4. We're sort of, we're going to squeeze the book of Ephesians in between now and the end of November. Um, because then at the end of November, we have um, not only a members meeting on the 19th, but we have a brigade parade, the kids church service and then we've got the carols coming and then it's our last Sunday on the 10th of December. So I've got to squeeze all this stuff in between then. So we're going to jump over some passages. But here we go this morning. Um, I'm going to jump pretty much over the first two verses because the key part is verses 3 to 14. Paul says he's an apostle, one who has been chosen by the Lord Jesus. That's his will. It would be great for you to be able to say, Ken, a business person by the will of God. A lawyer by the will of God. We should be able to put our name in there and our occupation or whatever we're doing and say, by the will of God. Charlie, a pastor, by the will of God. Make sense? So that you're in the place where God wants you to be. To all of God's holy people, as the NIV translation, the word is saints. To all God's saints. Did you know you were a saint? What does that mean? It just simply means you have the title, you've been set apart for God. You've been chosen by him, set apart by him for his purposes. You belong to him. And notice in blue, it says in Ephesus. This letter is certainly written to the city of Ephesus, but in some of the very early Greek manuscripts, the words in Ephesus do not appear. It's dot, dot, dot. And what we think happens is that this letter was in fact a circular letter and that Paul sent it to Ephesus and that when it got there, they wrote in, in Ephesus. Then they sent it to Laodicea, and they wrote in Laodicea. And then when it went to Colossae, in Colossae. Um, because that's all of the different data we have. Some of the Greek manuscripts have in Ephesus, some have blank lines, and some have others as well. So this is a circular letter, which means that this is some of Paul's um, objective thinking about... Christianity about Jesus and about the church and about us as we follow him and typical of Paul's letters it'll begin with uh, both doctrine teaching in the beginning in the first half chapters one to three which will include praise and doxology and then that always leads into uh, performance uh, behavior truth leads to transformation of character that's true of Christianity that you would will be known by our fruits and so on. And Paul's favourite phrase, theologically indeed in all of his letters, but especially in the book of Ephesians, is in Christ Jesus. In this passage alone, we counted 11 times either the phrase in him, in Christ, or even through Christ. And once it's in the beloved one. Everything comes to us through Christ. He is central. Central in this passage, certainly, but central in terms of New Testament Christianity. Grace and peace is typical greeting from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Both of those are equal, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this passage has a very strong tr Trinitarian base to it. Verses 3 to 14 in the Greek text are all one sentence, which is why in some of our Bible versions we have different sentences. 
this phrase is in that verse and this phrase is in the beginning of that sentence. So what you need to do if you want to read it correctly is to remove all of the full stops, all of the commas and just read it as one long sentence. And then you'll be exposed to the idea, does this phrase go with the end of that or does it go with the beginning of this one? And sometimes you can move things around and it makes clear sense and different people have different ideas on how it should be done. Basically, the Apostle Paul began this circular letter, specifically to Ephesus, and he wants to begin with praise and he just keeps going and going and going and it just pours out of him. Now, bearing in mind, he's not writing this, he's speaking this. In the ancient world, it was very common for letters to be dictated. The word is an amanuensis. And in Romans 16, a guy by the name of Tertius says, I, Tertius, send my greetings. I'm the, the one who wrote this letter. He was the guy listening. And so Paul is speaking and somebody, we don't know who, his secretary, could have been Luke, could have been Timothy, could have been somebody else. It's all one sentence. And so it's marvellous and it comes this truth. All of our blessings are in Christ, as I said, 11 times in this one sentence alone. And if you look at the passage carefully, you'll see that there is a repeating phrase three times to the praise of his glory or similar words to the praise of his glorious grace, to the praise of his glory. It's in verse 6, it's in verse 11, it's in verse 14. And the interesting thing when you read it carefully is the passage falls into these three parts, both ending on those verses 6, 12 and 14. The first paragraph is about God the Father, to the praise of his glory and grace. Second paragraph is about God the Son, verse 12, to the praise of his glory. And, this, and the third paragraph is about God the Spirit, and verse 14, to the praise of his glory. And I suggest to you that in those verses, 6, 12 and 14, when it says to the praise of his glory, or to the praise of his glorious grace, in verse 6 he's talking about to the praise of the Father's glory. In verse 12 he's talking about to the praise of the Son's glory. And in verse 14, he's talking about to the praise of the Spirit's glory. That would be how I read it, but I invite you to examine that. So let's work our way through these three paragraphs in this Trinitarian um, and see the blessings that we have. Verse 3 is sort of the crescendo, the open gate, if you like. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Praise be or blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus because he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. When it says praise be or I prefer the translation blessed be, he's talking about supreme praise. He's talking about commendation it was not just thanks, but it's declaring that he is wonderful and that he is good and he is worthy of our praise. And it certainly is appropriate for us as God's people to be praising him for God's goodness towards us. Notice that it is um, in the heavenly realms. These blessings that we have are in heaven, which is where Christ is. He's not talking about material blessings, though it is certainly true. God gives us all the material blessings that we enjoy as well. His common grace active in the world, not just for believers, but for all people. Paul's not talking about that. He's talking about other spiritual blessings, which he's going to go on and mention and highlight. And these ones are reserved for us in heaven. Um, 
And you'll notice again that they are in Christ. Christ is in heaven and so that's where our blessings are. Certainly, uh, James reminds us, James 1.17, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. That every good thing we exist and have in this life comes from him. Whether you're a believer or not, if you have blessing, if you have good things in your life, ultimate source is God. Which means, if you think about it, when you leave this planet, when you go into the next realm, when you go into eternity, if you go into the realm where God is absent, then hell is the place of the absence of all good. And if you meditate on that for a while, hell is a horrible place and to be avoided at all costs. Whereas God is active in this life, in this world, in Christ, wanting to shower us and share with us every spiritual blessing in him. Who is it that he has blessed? Us. Who are the us? Well, it's the saints in verse 1, God's holy people. But it's also those who are in Christ. How do these blessings become ours? Let me come back to that other idea in just a moment. Not by religious works, not by us doing our best. We can't earn them by the manufacturing. We can't bargain for them. You know, if I come to church every Sunday, God, will you bless me? The answer, by the way, to that question is yes. Because when you come to church, God will bless you. Just got to be open for it, open to it. This source, as I've said several times now, is, already, is only in Jesus. It flows to us through him. Jumping to the end of the paragraph, verse 13, it says, and you were included in Christ when? When you heard the message of the gospel, the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, and when you believed. When you hear and believe, you are included we are born outside the kingdom of God. We are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God when we hear and believe. Keep that truth in mind. This is Peter's statement. Sorry about the number of words on there, but he similarly says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Our inheritance, all of these spiritual blessings can't perish, can't spoil, can't fade, can't be stolen. They're ours, they're permanent and we kept them. Imagine if the deal God had for us was, okay, I give you a one-off clean slate. I'll forgive you all of your past sins, all of your past mistakes, all of that. The slate is clean. Now, from now on, be good. If you mess up, that's it. Deal's off. Imagine if God dealt with us like that. None of us would make it, would we? But he hasn't dealt with us like that at all. He's dealt with us amazingly. It says here, verse 4, For he chose us in him. In Jesus, he chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now I know this is controversial, so let me take a few minutes just to talk about this being chosen. Yeah, election, predestination. I don't think I've been a follower of the Lord Jesus and in any given year that topic or conversation hasn't come up. Bottom line is, you can't get your mind around it. 
you just simply have to accept what the scripture says. Now in this particular passage, there is a way that you can interpret it, which is quite softening for those who struggle with predestination or election. But there are other passages where this will not hold. And so the scriptures certainly teach that God does choose, God does elect. But what does that mean? Very simply, that he had his eye on us long before we knew it. That he drew us in love for a very long time. He liked us before we liked him. He was attracted to us before we were attracted to him. That's the truth of it. That's what it's communicating. And that God in his grace selects to work specially in some. Does he neglect others? No, but there's an emphasising that he works particularly in some. My wife was chosen by me. I had my eye on her long before she knew it. I liked her before she liked me. And I chose her. Think of it like that. God has taken the initiative. I took the initiative with Rhonda, not with God. We can't take the initiative. He didn't have to, but he intended to, and he did. That means we have been planned for, loved, purchased, adopted, to be with him forever. It's a wonderful truth. It gives us great security. It means salvation is not an afterthought. It's not an emergency reaction to something that's going on. Why did God choose us? Oh, oh, sorry, fat fingers. Mm -mm -mm. There. He chose us in him before the creation of the world. Why? To be holy and blameless. He chose us to be like his son, who is holy and blameless. Holy means like being a saint, simply set apart for God. Blameless does not mean, though we often equate it with meaning, it does not mean sinless. It doesn't mean perfect. What it means is, is without blemish, spotless. Just like a sacrifice in the Old Testament. Just like the Lord Jesus was a lamb who was uh, without spot or blemish. It means to be set apart for God to be a living sacrifice. Which means you are dealing with sin and dealing with it appropriately. It doesn't mean we won't sin. It does mean that when we do sin, we repent, we confess. And we get forgiven, we get cleaned up, and then we move on. In this passage, he chose us in him. In this passage, it works this way. This is how I read this passage. But as I say this to you, there are other passages in the New Testament which are very clear where you can't have this interpretation. You can't do this in every context, in other words. Some people would, some theologians, commentators would want to say, when it comes to Ephesians chapter 1, what the Apostle Paul is teaching is that Jesus is the one who was elected. He is the chosen one. And that if you are in him, you are likewise chosen. He chose us in him. Does that make sense? I have a son. He has a wife. Because she is with him, she is automatically part of our family. She is elected because of her relationship with my son. Makes sense? Grunt, groan, nod, say yes, say no. This is the interactive part of the service. 
get it. Eight people have got it. God chose him. And then God works in the world. And if we, repent, if we hear the gospel and we believe, verse 13, then we are included in him. Does that make sense? Good. Now, what everybody does, that's how I would read this. What many people do, so please don't do this. When you talk about the doctrine of election, some people go automatically to the negative. If God chose some, does that mean that he didn't choose others? Well, logically that follows. But that's not what the teaching is saying. What the teaching is saying is God chose some. Or what about the others? Well, if they hear and believe and repent, they'll be included as well. God is not stopping them. God is not putting an obstacle in their way. What it's saying is God gave some of us, me, extra help. Some of us need it, don't we? Well, if you can't see election in this passage or if you don't like the doctrine of election... If you have a different view on it, which is all from God's grace, then two truths follow. Number one, do not neglect, negate rather, our human responsibility. We are always in the scriptures addressed as free agents. We are responsible to respond, to choose, to believe. We are accountable to God. Sinners do not miss heaven because they're not elect. Sinners do not miss heaven because they are not elect. They miss heaven because they don't repent or believe, nor do they want to. That's the biblical balance. It also, the doctrine of election, does not negate our responsibility to give a full, free offer of salvation to every sinner. We are to set an open door before everyone and invite them to come in. Our duty is to invite all, not to go around trying to discern, has God chosen you or not? Spurgeon was sometimes a little bit cheeky. He would pray and is on record as praying, Heavenly Father, save your elect and then elect some more. So if you can't see election or if it disturbs you in this passage, don't argue about it, don't be distracted by it. Embrace your human responsibility, both for yourself, and invite every sinner that you can to come to Christ. There are mysteries in the scriptures and deep secrets that are known only to God. This passage plummets the depth on some of those. Our Father, God the Son and God the Spirit is a sovereign God who is working his eternal purposes out. Moving on, the second blessing. In love he predestined us to adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Again you see it's through Jesus in accordance with the pleasure as well. We have been adopted, not just saved and forgiven, we're made a child of his family. It's an incredible blessing. We are not just citizens of the kingdom, we're not just servants under his lordship, we're not just members of his body, we are his sons and daughters. He has lifted us to the level of his son. That means we have access to God. What a blessing. Anytime, anywhere. I love the illustration. Oh, I won't tell you that illustration. In the first church where I was at, uh, our office was in, the manse was next door to the church and the pastor's office was in the manse. And there was a sliding door and that went into the lounge room. 
And so when I was in my office, and I was both pastoring the church but also at theological college, I was often in my office, either studying for college or studying, you know, for sermons or whatever. And when the door was shut, it means I was working and that the kids, Shane and Kate, were not permitted to come in unless there was an emergency, unless they really had to. You know, they absolutely had to come and see me. Um, otherwise, they were to steer clear. Don't poke the bear. <laughs> One day, my son, a couple of months after this, appeared in my office. He slid open the door, appeared in my office. I stopped, put my pen down. I said, Shane, what is it? What do you need? He said, no, nothing, just checking. <laughs> just checking if I would stop doing what I was doing and pay attention to him and listen to him. That's my son. You give him directions and stuff, he'll obey them. We are his sons. We are not excluded from him. We have access. At any time, we can knock on the door of heaven and the door is open. Our Father invites us in any time, under any circumstance. And in fact, we have a helper. The Spirit of God who is within us is like our Heavenly Father who wants to help us. Whatever your situation in life is, whatever circumstance, he wants to help. Just waiting for you to ask. We have adoption. Why? Well, to the praise of his glorious grace. That's why he's done us, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. It's all through Jesus. To the praise of the Father's glorious grace. So praise to the Father. Why? Because we are chosen. Two, because we are adopted. Second section, praise to God the Son, verses 7 to 12. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption. Another blessing. That's through his blood, through his death on Calvary's cross. We also have the forgiveness of sins. The price has been paid for us. So redemption, we have been bought with a price. We have been ransomed. We have been uh, set free from slavery to Satan and to sin. And not just now enslaved to him, but we have been set free where we can voluntarily serve and obey him. And the forgiveness of sin, the Bible's full of what God has done with our sin. As far as the east is from the west, or he's cast it into the depths of the sea, he, he won't remember it anymore. Though our sins are like scarlet, they'll be white like snow. Or Isaiah even talks about it like a morning mist or a cloud, it just disappears. God removes our sin. Not just some of our sin, all of it. Not just a few of them. All of them, not just most of them, all of them, all of our sin. Gone, forgiven. Why? In accordance with the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us, and he's also done that. He's given us wisdom and insight. He's given us a spiritual understanding. If you like, you could call that revelation. God gives us an insight and teaches us about life and death and eternity. Philosophers and professors, here is a quote for you and the wise of this world, quote, the universe is indifferent. Who created it? Why are we on this third rock from the sun spinning in endless space? I don't have the slightest idea and I'm convinced that no one else has the least idea either. That's how the world thinks. That's how many people in the world think. 
Why are we here? Where does it come from? Is there a God? Well, if you've been chosen in Christ, if you've been saved, if you've responded to him, then he has given you an insight and understanding to what's going on in this world. You understand what life is about. It's about glorifying him and working with him. And this is not the land of the living. This is the land of the dying. For death awaits us all. We proceed to the land of the living. Eternal life. We understand that. God has given us this insight, this wisdom and this understanding. There are many, there are thousands, there are millions of people in Australia. They don't know that. And they need to. Guess whose job it is? Ours. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in Christ. It all centered around Jesus. I was in hasten. Why? To put into effect the times when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. Some commentators suggest, and I haven't seen this before, so I'll share it with you. You can think about it. To bring into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, the commentators, these ones said, that's the millennium. And to bring everything together, heaven and earth, under Christ, when he rules on earth. That's where it's headed to that what Adam lost in the garden is now going to be restored in the millennium and then will come the end. And even at the end of that, there will be people who will still rebel. Incredible. This is God's plan that he's working out. In him, in Jesus, we're also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Remember Joseph's law? Murphy's law, if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong at the most inconvenient time. Joseph's law from Joseph in Genesis. If anything can go wrong and it does go wrong, remember. God is behind the scenes, working things out according to the purpose of his will. He's a sovereign God. Doesn't catch him by surprise. He responds to our choices and so on. Why? in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Praise of the glory of Jesus. Praise to the Father because we're chosen and adopted. Praise to the Son because we're redeemed and forgiven. Section three, praise to the Spirit. We looked at this verse already. You're included in Christ when you heard and when you believed. Notice at the end it says that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. He was promised and the seal itself is an indication that we have, that we are secure. The verse goes on to talk about, and that seal and that spirit, the Holy Spirit, is a deposit, a foretaste, an indication of the future, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. A seal on something indicates that it's true and genuine, like a seal on your passport, the coat of arms. Or a seal on someone's property, like a brand on a cattle, or a name on a book, means that you belong. It's theirs. So we have been sealed with God's spirit. We belong to him. And it means security, because just like the seal on the tomb of the Lord Jesus meant that it was secure, guarded by the Roman Empire. The seal means secure. So the Holy Spirit verifies that we truly are God's children that he is God's claim on us, that we belong to him. And he says, you are mine. The Holy Spirit is at a deposit, proof of God's intention. 
what God is doing in this world and certainly what he's doing in our lives. So we can know that we are saved, safe, secure and assured. Why? To the praise of his glory. Praise God the Spirit, we are sealed and we are secure. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Are you in Christ? It's where you need to be. You need to hear and respond. You need to believe. Maybe you'd like to talk more about that. What's an appropriate response? Well, for us to continue to give thanks and praise to God, Father, Son and Spirit. One Chronicle says, praise, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Another response, we should be holy and blameless, living sacrifices. That's why he did it, that we would be set apart to become like him. And just as God has acted in our life, so let's go and do that. Let's invite others. And as God has been gracious to us, let us be gracious to them. What are you going to take away from this passage? Think about that. Use the communication card to make a response or make a request. I encourage that. If you would like prayer, then please come forward. I'm going to invite you to bow with me. We're going to pray. Lord God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you are worthy of our praise and our thanks, of continual daily gratitude. Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May it be done in us and through us to the praise of your glorious grace. In Jesus' name. And everybody said...